0: You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more, faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Rachel Clap miller with Force Management. Today, we bring you a special episode of the Audible Ready podcast. Our own John Kaplan tells his story of a time when he had to decide what it meant to be uncommon. It's the story that brought that famous phrase, who's doing this? Many of you have heard it in our command of the message training. It's just a great motivational and inspirational story. And that is something we could all use right about now. So enjoy today's special episode of the Audible Ready podcast. Thanks for listening. So most of you have heard the who's doing this or uncommon story. And for those of you who have not, I'm just going to take a little bit of time here to share it with you. So Tony Dungy was a great NFL football player and coach. This is how most of the world identifies with him. However, for me, it's different. You know, he wrote a book called Uncommon. It's a great read if you have not had the chance Dungy encourages the reader to be uncommon, to do tough things that the common man or woman would not do. Uh, When the book first came out, I felt compelled to share it with my children. And I told them it's, you know, it's hard to be uncommon. You know, the world does not want you to be uncommon. And then I remembered a time in my life when I needed to make a choice to be uncommon. So it was back in the fall of 1981. I left Michigan on a one-way plane ticket to play college football at Boise State University. So, you know, why did I have to go 2,000 miles away from home to play college football without getting into a ton of details around that story? Let's just say that I was a bit of a rough-edged kid in high school. So I packed up all of my possessions in a Green Army duffel bag and headed out for the rest of my life. Boise was a terrific experience. Uh, I had never been west of the Mississippi before, and I saw some of the most beautiful parts of the country. I made lifelong friends and and grew up a ton. You know, Boise State was an up-and-coming program at the time and and would continue to become a household sports name. A lot of people ask me, did I play on the famous Blue Turf? Um, No, I did not. I believe that came around somewhere between 1985 and 1990 so by the end of my freshman year i had experienced so many good things i was fortunate enough to play and letter as a freshman and i did really really well in the classroom but i was missing my loved ones badly you know my parents never got the chance to see me play that year my wife ann who's my wife now my girlfriend at the time, we have a very uncommon history. We, we've been together since we were 13 years old. You heard that right since we were 13 years old. And, and needless to say, I was missing her terribly. There was no social media, cell phones, FaceTime, or email. And every time I say that, I, I, I just chuckle because I sound like my parents you know telling a story of you know, walking to school. Uh, And bare feet, uphill both ways. But uh, that's kind of what it felt like. So my success at Boise gave me a rare opportunity to transfer to a school closer to home. And the recruitment process the second time around was a completely different experience. You know, just like in work life, nobody cares how you start. They only care about how you finish. So I accepted a scholarship to play at Bowling Green State University in Ohio and and BG was one hour away from the University of Michigan where Ann was a student. So life was going to be pretty good. A, A few months before I was to report to training camp at BG, I received a letter from the football office and the letter informed me that the two coaches that had recruited me to BG had taken different jobs at different schools. So this letter was from my new coach who wanted me to report early with the freshmen, since he made a point of saying he didn't recruit me. And to say that I was shocked is an understatement. I I was really looking forward to playing for and being coached by those coaches. So I, I was really disappointed. And I'd love to tell you how I took the letter as a personal challenge, you know, how I worked out harder and got myself ready to prove myself to the new coaches But what did I do? I began to eat bonbons and watch daytime TV and feel really sorry for myself. During my freshman year, my parents moved to another town. And uh, that always makes me chuckle. Yes, they did tell me where they were living. I was not that bad of a kid. But, you know, in the new town, I I didn't know anybody from that area. And, And one day that summer, I went into a local gym and met a guy named Vince. Vince was a huge human being. He stood about six foot five and weighed about 280 pounds. And And he actually played football for Western Michigan, which is in Bowling Green's conference. So, you know, it was kind of odd, but, you know, Vince and I became really good friends and and we worked out together that summer. Well, when I got the letter, I was mad and started feeling sorry for myself. Um, you know, as an NCAA athlete, you have no recourse for situations like this. If you sign with a team and your coach leaves, your only option is to transfer and lose a year of eligibility. It's a stupid rule, but, you know, that, that argument's for another day. So Vince hadn't seen me at the gym for a couple of weeks. And so he called me and asked, you know, where have you been? I started to tell him my sad sack story and and he just blurted out, Hey, get ready. I'm coming over to pick you up to and we're gonna go work out. So before I could tell him that I wasn't gonna do it, he hung up. Now I mentioned that Vince was six foot five and 280 pounds. And so when Vince comes over to your house and tells you to get in the car, you're probably gonna do it. So no problem, I thought, you know. I can do a few curls in the mirror. And, and when I get to the gym, I can tone up a little bit. You know, My thoughts were just oozing with sarcasm. So Vince comes to the house, I get in the car, he heads out of the neighborhood and drives right past the gym. And so I say to him, I said, Vince, you just passed the gym. And he says, dude, we're not going to the gym today. We're gonna go run. Oh, heck no. I'm thinking to myself, heck no. Number one, I've always hated running to get in shape. I would play basketball and other sports all day long, but I could not stand to run around a track. And also the bonbons and daytime TV had added quite a few extra pounds. So running wasn't going to be very pleasant. So again, Vince at six foot five, 280 pounds says that you're going to run. You're going to run. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I can stretch out a little bit, do a few laps around the track and then, you know, then call it a day. So we pull up to the high school and start walking towards the track and Vince walks right past the track. And I say to him, Vince, where are you going? The track is right there. And Vince says, we're not running there. We're going to run over here. And he points to some woods which had a very steep stair incline to them. And it to, to get from one level of the sports fields to the next. So by this time, I've about had it with Vince. But again, if Vince says we're going there, we're, we're going there. So by the time we actually get to these steps, I can see how incredibly steep they are and that they, they look like they're going straight up in the air. And, and Vince turns to me and he says, Hey, who's doing this? So I have no idea what he's talking about. And then he takes off up the steps and these steps are so steep that as Vince goes up, he starts to look small. He goes all the way up to the top and then comes back down. And he says to me again, who's doing this? And he didn't wait for reply. He just took off again. Now I'm just standing there with a bad attitude watching Vince work out. And after a while I decide, this is dumb and I feel foolish. So I start up the steps about halfway up the steps. My heart was already beating out of my chest and thinking about all the bonbons and daytime TV that I'm watching. And I'm, I'm really struggling. So I met Vince, you know, halfway up. And and by this time he's covered in sweat and huffing and puffing. And he says to me again, who's doing this and I'm really starting to get frustrated because I have no idea what he's talking about. So when I got up to the top of the steps, I was gassed. You know, I, I turned around to look at the view. I, I looked down to see where I'd come from and I saw Vince chugging away and I looked around and saw the gorgeous view on a, uh, on a beautiful day. And in that moment, it hit me. I instantly felt uncommon. I was doing something that I did not necessarily want to do, but I did it anyway, knowing that it would set me apart from the common person I would be competing with. And it felt awesome. So I, I turned and headed down the steps, this time with purpose. And Vince was struggling and he's, as he was coming up the steps to pass me. And this time as he leaned in his big head to ask me, hey, who's doing this? I cut him off and shouted, nobody. 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 Exhausted, he looked at me and he smiled and he said, that's right. So it went the rest of that morning. Vince and I passed each other up and down these steps, yelling to one one another, who's doing this? And yelling back, nobody. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. You know, this became the story that I would share with my children when I wanted them to be uncommon. The story of their dad being very common and then making a decision to be uncommon. The world does not want us to be uncommon, but we who strive to be elite, we know better. We absolutely know better. So when you're out there with your peers, your teammates, your families, and you're working hard to be the best that you can possibly be, look over at someone and ask, who's doing this? and find joy and conviction in their response of nobody, nobody. And if they've not heard the story, it would be a great gift to share it with them. So I wish all of you listening to have an uncommon journey to greatness at force management we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale our strength is our experience the proof is in our results let's get started visit us at forcemanagement.com you've been listening to the audible ready podcast not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.